Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome back to the Psych Legal Pop podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm the attorney. And I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. And today we are going to talk about a documentary that we both just watched, although it's been out for a while. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, it's been out for a while because I remember hearing about it. Um, And I might have even watched it a while ago because it looked familiar. (laughs) But anyway, it's called State of Alabama versus Britney Smith. Mm. And it's about a woman, a uh, young single mother living in Alabama and in Stevenson, Alabama, Stevenson, Alabama, Jackson County, small town. Um, And. She, she said the, the documentary starts out. We see Brittany kind of out in the woods and she says she likes looking for rocks and fossils and crystals. And she believes in crystals and healing powers and chakras. So, you know, it starts out very yes. nice <laughs> and then it quickly gets dark. <laughs> so basically, I'm sorry, I don't have like what year this happened or anything. I don't even know if they did you write down what year this happened? Um, I'm sure I did when I got there in 2018. Okay. This happened on 1 15, January 15th, 2018. Okay. So that's the date of the murder. That was the date of the murder. Okay. Or stand your ground (laughs) murder. Stand your ground day. (laughs) Yeah. So she was arrested for murder because, um, there was a man in her home who, (sighs) Well, well, I guess we'll talk about um, how he got there. This is just the long story short. A man was in her home. She did invite him into yes. her home. But then he like wouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. He ended up assaulting her, sexually assaulting her. Well, he attacked her, assaulted her, choked her. Mm-hmm. And then also threatened her brother. Yes. And held her, almost held her hostage. Right. Like she could, when the attack was over, he wouldn't just leave. Right. He basically said to her, 
if you tell anybody, I'm going to kill you. And he was staying. So she was trying to figure out how to get away from how him. To escape. And we can tell you part of that story of how the brother then gets into it. But she, at the moment of the murder, this guy was choking the brother. So she was, she was like, this guy was going to kill my brother. And he was holding me hostage. Right. And so she had a gun in her home and she basically decided to defend herself. It was her her, brother's gun. Okay. So the Mm -hmm. brother brought it in. Yeah. Okay. Um, So basically she used this gun to kill him. Yes. And what happened in the legal case that followed was that she tried to use the defense of stand your ground And that is a self-defense concept that started with the concept that if they called it the castle doctrine. So it it meant that, you know, if if you're in your own home, Mm -hmm. in your castle, and somebody is in your home and, you know, they're threatening you, um, you can basically use deadly force and Mm -hmm. you're under no obligation to try to retreat or get away from them or anything. Um, And that's a perfect, you know, it's a clean self-defense claim. Mm -hmm. And so in Alabama, um, this is the kind of the gist of the Alabama law, because it's different state by state. Every state has its own. Mm -hmm. Some states don't have any stand your ground. Some states have very, um, you know, loose ones, you know, they, they run the gamut. But in Alabama... The uh, defendant does not have a duty to retreat and has the right to stand their ground so long as they are justified in using deadly physical force and is not engaged in any legal activity and is in a place where they have the right to be. Mm -hmm. So, ostensibly, she fit this description. Yes, and that whole thing of not not doing any illegal activity, that's a tough one. Yeah. Like, what if you were smoking weed with this person right. or, or doing, drugs, know, or... doing drugs or something that somehow you shouldn't be able to right. stand your ground. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it's... doesn't make a lot of sense. So, um, and they say right off the bat that, that, it, you know, that women are not treated well in Jackson County, this County in Alabama, and that usually the stand your ground law seems to work very well for men, mm-hmm. for white men. So right. if you're a white man, you can stand your ground. Everybody else, you're going to have to fight, fight, fight to prove that you have the right to stand your ground. Right. And there's this um, journalist who appears throughout the documentary named Ashley Remkus, and she's covered a yeah. lot of these types of yes. cases. And she says all the cases that she's covered have been white men. Mm-hmm. And police usually look at those cases and they see it as justified and they're either not charged or they're, you know, gets dismissed or whatever. Yeah. But, um, well, Brittany, I mean, things were, we, we learn a little bit about Brittany's history, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, and, and just about how things have been hard for Brittany for a long, long time. Like Brittany's, you know, hasn't been dealt the best cards, you know, in life. I mean, she was raised by a single mom. We meet her mom, Ramona McCallie, who I loved. And she had two kids, Brittany and Chris. And she got divorced when they were eight and four. And it was really hard for her to be a single mom. She worked 12 to 16 hours a day. And apparently because they're in this small county where not a lot happens, there's nothing goes on there. And that that they, she couldn't get any assistance, 
So basically, does Alabama must not have the same? Um, because do you remember her saying that? Yeah. Like I couldn't get much assistance. So well, essentially, what, it was like so in Alabama, you there's no food stamps. There's no. Well, I didn't. I don't think she meant she got nothing. She said I didn't get much. Okay, it was just not enough to live off of. Yeah, and she she had to work. You know, two jobs. Too. So. And Brittany was ve- is very, very smart, but got married at 19 and was on and off with her husband, had four kids, and her 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 child baby, Will, had Potter syndrome, which means he only lived for 45 minutes. Yeah. And that sent her into, and she basically, that sent her into a tail, you know, into a spiral. Yeah. She, she, she started getting depressed, and then that led to addiction. She lost her kids and, but then she got clean and she was getting ready to get her kids back. Uh, yes. Just literally just, um, five days before days before on the 10th of January, there was this home evaluation. Someone came from social services. She passed the home evaluation. Um, she was wanted to buy a puppy for her kids. Oh, and this is how she met this, mm-hmm. ch- this charming man. Um, Todd Smith, he was a pit bull breeder and they knew each other from high school. So just back up. So just, I just want to say like, this is someone that she thought she knew, right? You know, that someone that she had a relationship that she knew in some way, shape or form. Not a total stranger. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, so he was going to arrange to, you know, get this puppy for her. And so he texted her and he said he needed a ride, uh, some one thing led to another. She let him stay at her house. Um, and he just snapped and he mm-hmm. attacked her. And so, um, that's what you know, she's trying to hide in her bedroom, and that's when he choked her. Well, he busted down the door, so she ran to her bedroom mm-hmm. and shut the door, and he busted down the door. Sorry, and just like these things are like these little points are so important because it's not like she then he he rushed her and she pulled out a gun and shot him like she was took place over a series of several uh, days where she was basically tortured for several days so uh, when she woke up from passing out from choking he was raping her Mm -hmm. and um then he said he wanted to go to the store yeah, well, he he told her, he said, if you say one word, I'll kill you. And so she's trying to think about, like, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, I'm going to have him, uh, you know, I I'll, I'll, I don't have any cigarettes here. And I tell him, let's smoke a cigarette. And I don't have any cigarettes here. So I'm going to call my mom and see if she'll p- pick up cigarettes for me and come over or give me a ride or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And um, so the... the this guy, Todd, has her put it on speakerphone so she cannot tell her mom what's going on. So she asks her mom, can you come over? And the mom said, well, God, it would have been a long day at work. I was exhausted. I think it's like midnight now. You know, it's 1230, one o'clock in the morning. And she's like, oh, God, I'm so tired. I can't. I don't have any money. And Brittany's like, no, no, no. I have money. Don't worry about it. And she turned to uh, Brittany's brother, Chris, and said, Chris, can you go? So Chris goes and picks them up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and Todd gets in the car with all of them. And so when she gets to the convenience store, there's a woman working in there. And um, somehow, I forget the details of this, but somehow Brittany writes a note Mm -hmm. to the clerk. Because the 
clerks seem to know her too. It's a small town. Right. Yeah. She writes a note, like a, a help me note, mm-hmm. um, and gives it to the clerk. And uh, it said, I'm being held hostage. And um, then Brittany tells Chris to go back into the store and talk to that clerk. Um, Chris goes back to the house. And that's when he brings a gun to the house. Well, he has he said, I have my side piece on me all the time. I was like, "Okay." Yeah, he brings the gun into the house Mm -hmm. because he's got it with him. So there's a gun in the house now. Mm -hmm. Then Todd you know, flips out again. And that's when he started attacking and choking Chris. Mm-hmm. And this is when Brittany takes um, Chris's gun. She fires the gun, uh, you know, at Todd. She then calls 911. And then she tries to save him. Yeah, she does CPR on him. Yeah. And, you know, the police come and Chris is thinking, oh, shit, I, I should take the blame for this. Because he says, I know how women in Jackson County are treated. But, um, you know, Brittany turns herself in. Well, she says, you know. Well, he, hold on. So he, but he, this doesn't happen right away, though. Because she, he says, because this comes back to bite her in the ass. Because she's like, okay, you take the blame. Because her she had just had that home evaluation five mm-hmm. days earlier. And she didn't want to lose her kids again. Mm-hmm. So she has Chris take the blame. And I think they... They went, you know, I think that she had the statement and things were happening. And then I think she went back. I think it had been a couple days. She doesn't tell them so right he away. spent a couple days in jail? I don't know. I that don't was a little that. unclear. But I do remember because this does, this is one of the points that comes to bite her is the fact that she wasn't honest in the beginning. In the beginning. But the problem being that anybody else in that position, you know, would feel, I would feel, I would feel exactly, I don't like to lie, but I would feel exactly how Brittany would feel. Like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I just am right back. I've finally got my life back together. Mm-hmm. And, and because of this, Todd, you know, anyway. Well, she eventually, yeah, she eventually turns herself in. She's charged with murder. She um, spends 10 months in jail awaiting trial. And then her mother ends up selling her, her mother's wedding ring and bonds the title to her car to cover six thousand dollars in bail. Now this is crazy. First of all, that the bail was only six thousand dollars for murder, but also that this is how poor these people are. Mm-hmm. It took them that long and having to finagle this and that yeah. just to come up with six thousand dollars, yeah, so that she can get out of jail. Yeah. Um, and Ramona says that you know she's proud of Brittany because Brittany fought back, and you know she's. Ramona's there, for, you know, trying mm-hmm. to help her do whatever. But now she, she can't can. get a job. You know, she, she can't, can't see her, her kids. Can't see her kids. Um, I thought hands down the best moment was there was this great moment where the mom is in the car and she's driving through the McDonald's mm-hmm. lane and she orders something. And then she turns around back to the camera crew and was like, do you want anything? <laughs> <laughs> it was just like first time in a documentary I've ever seen anybody ever yeah. offer the camera crew. It's like that shows you Ram- Ram- Ramona's the star. Ramona is a good woman. Yeah. And she actually studied the stand your ground defense. She, mm-hmm. she said she got a law book and she, you know, knows that. Brittany had every right to do mm-hmm. that. She was in her own home. And her public defender, Ron, what was his name? Ron Smith also. And I was a little nervous that she was going to get some incompetent public defender, but this guy seemed to know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he also felt like, yeah, 
Absolutely. Like, this, this, it's a slam dunk. This falls under the category. But the prosecutors, they wanted Britney to take a 25-year deal. Oh, yeah. What a great deal. To admit, yes, I killed him and take 25 years. And she was like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to admit to something I didn't do. And then we meet um, Ron Smith's investigator, Don Hendricks, another hero. She um, And she just flat out says, you know, she sees racism and sexism constantly. She's like, people in the South don't think there's a problem with sexual abuse and domestic violence. Mm. I was like, yeah. Well, I think I wouldn't limit that to just the South. Yeah. I mean, mean, maybe in certain places it's worse, but I feel like that's everywhere. Across the board. Yeah. Women are still, I'm sorry, you know, you know, the rates of domestic violence and sexual assault Mm -hmm. have not gone down. Yeah. Well, and they were also (laughs) saying, which I think is common, not just in Alabama, this whole thing when when there's domestic violence, you know, it's almost like the cops throw their hands up and they're like, well, let's arrest both of you. And you're like, do you know what that does to a woman to get Mm -hmm. arrested? for? I mean, they're just it's. Uh, after I watched this, I texted Brooke and I said, I am livid. <laughs> I was so angry, so angry about all of it. But um, so they got a court date for her. So she was going to have her stand your ground hearing in January of 2020. And so they they're putting together their case. And what what they what they photographed Brittany after the attack. She had 33 injuries on her body mm-hmm. and the nurse testified on her behalf and she had handprints yeah, the, the, around her neck. They could see the handprints. Yeah, they showed a picture. Her. It was she had like these huge, like look like bruises, mm-hmm. like from being choked and strangled. But bite marks. Yeah. I mean, all. I mean, she was her her knees were scraped up. She was a mess. The. Um, we didn't see any pictures of her brother, though. Because, I mean, obviously he was choked out, too. But, you know, one of the things that happened was that in the 911 call, the operator asked Brittany, because Brittany's telling him, like, this man came into my home, he assaulted me. And the the operator asked her, like, did he rape you? And she said no Mm -hmm. in that in that phone call. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, why wouldn't she admit it? And I think that what people have to recognize is. Listen, many rape victims don't disclose what's happening. And it's so incredibly personal to Mm -hmm. you. Like, you don't even know this person on the operator. Like, you're just going to share that. And but that is, again, something else. They just, well, she should have said that. She said he didn't rape her. It's like, yeah, because she was in the midst of shock. And I'm sorry, but I don't know. She doesn't know this operator. (laughs) Yeah, and she doesn't want to get into that right now. Right now, she's concerned about the fact that she just shot someone. And she probably doesn't want him to die because then that will be murder. And so she's calling for help, Mm -hmm. you know, and saying, come and help me. But yeah, that's the thing. And like this, this case at no point, I mean, I don't know what was presented at the hearing. I would hope that there was some sort of expert at this hearing Mm -hmm. about domestic violence and abuse and Mm -hmm. sexual assault, all the, who could testify about her behavior and that it was consistent with people who are victimized in this way. But I don't know. I, I we we don't get very much information about what happened at the hearing and yeah. what what was presented at the hearing. But we also learn that Todd had a bit of a meth problem. So Jackson County and Ramona 
says this, that Jackson County, it wasn't always this way, but it's become, you know, a bit, they have huge problems with addictions. Mm-hmm. I could bet you because there's not much to do there and there's not much places to go or, or feelings of that there's um, prosperity around the corner. So I think I would be using drugs too. So we learned that Todd, that to get arrested for like a DUI um, for meth, the legal limit is 200 milligrams. Todd's limit was 840 milligrams, Mm. four times the legal limit. I mean, so he obviously was in just this meth-filled rage, right? Well, and he's also a very violent person. When I was doing some searching after watching the documentary, um, Todd had been arrested 71 times. Including many, many domestic violence cases. Yeah, well, we heard from his wife. The wife went on a podcast and Todd's ex-wife said that she experienced a lot of domestic violence. That the I think the final thing was that he duct taped her to a chair mm-hmm. and beat and raped her over the course of hours or days. Oh I mean, it was, it's this unreal. Guy, I'm sorry, this guy needed to be killed. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we meet his cousin what's this we oh yeah Kevin, Je- jeff poe jeff poe was all for it too. Right. Jeff's like hey i know he's my cousin but god i don't know yeah, yeah todd's I got a problem i think we're all better off without Todd. yeah yeah so the 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 family like they could not get any of his family here at all the one family member they got was this guy who basically said yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean Brittany did everyone a, a service by getting todd off the map yeah so after the hearing you know, basically, when, and this is what really got me, it was a female judge. Yes. You, you'd yes. Think, you think you would have a little bit of hope, but no. Um, she denied the stand your ground immunity. Um, and again, for, uh, well, f- found that she was not only not justified, but like you said, you know, there was all these inconsistencies, the initial report well, that her, you know, that. Her brother shot Todd and not disclosing the rape and whatever. All this stuff harmed her credibility. Well, yeah. One of the questions we hear the prosecutor say, like, cross-examining her. And apparently, Brittany did a great job on the stand. I mean, she's very smart. Mm -hmm. She did a great job on the stand. And then the prosecutor is um, cross-examining her. And, you know, this whole thing about, you know, why, why did you call your mom? You know, why not when he put the you know, he gave you a phone you, and you were calling. Why call your mom? Why didn't you um, admit that you had been raped? And it's like the she was just like she just that that PTSD in that moment. She needed her mother mm-hmm. like it's such a visceral thing mm-hmm. of like just needing to be with her mom. And this prosecutor has no ability to make or the judge to make any. I mean, what what is wrong with these people? I just I don't understand. Well, the prosecutor, you know, he doesn't care. Yeah. He wants to put her in a negative light. But the judge, you would think, but I don't know, you know, the, I don't know. Being a woman, just being a woman in yeah. and of itself doesn't always mean shit, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, the judge said that the defendant had many opportunities to seek protection from Todd. When exactly? When? Every time that she had a moment to get away from this guy, she tried something. She did something. Mm-hmm. She called her mother. Then the brother came. Mm-hmm. She talked to the person. The clerk yeah. came out. The brother started to protect her, you know, and, and he came in because 
you know, every single time, every single time. So it's almost like this law can only work if the guy is on top of you raping you. You reach over to your gun that's so handily right there and shoot the person. Even then, I think they wouldn't even let you do the stand your ground. Um, Yeah. yeah. And then here's the thing that was so strange to me. They they were so it just they just they didn't. I don't think they really cared about the prison sentence because she ended up getting a very um, light sentence. Mm -hmm. They just wanted the satisfaction of her having a felony conviction for murder and for the rest of her life so that she could, you know, never get a job, never get custody of her kids. You know, they were going to ruin. They figured, you know, we don't need to send her to prison. We'll just ruin her life that way. Mm -hmm. And they seemed perfectly fine with that. And so she felt like she was backed into a corner and she had to plead guilty. And, you know, she was probably the right thing to I do. I would have done the same because thing. Because she was going to get convicted and she was going to get sentenced to life in prison. Mm-hmm. So basically the time that they offered her for this murder plea was less than a, a manslaughter plea. So yes. they just wanted to ruin her life. That was it. Yeah. And that and that part's really important because on her record, it's murder, not manslaughter. Right. Like they wouldn't even give her the manslaughter thing yeah so so this was i was a little confused about because we see her at the end of the documentary we see something um that she served six months in jail that she had with for time served six months in jail but i was like wait a minute she spent 10 months if they only if they only gave her six months in jail and 18 months of house arrest what she did 10 months. So isn't that time served when she was detained? So why is she still serving time? Well, okay. So she was given 36 months. Oh, 36 months. Yeah. Okay. That's the, okay. She Got it. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking, I thought they said six months. No, I think it, my, um, my closed captioning was off. So, yeah. So it was, um, 18 months in, let's see. Well, she'd already served a lot of 10, time. Yeah. So they they gave her 18 months house arrest and then 18 months of a suspended sentence. Mm-hmm. So she'd be on in like lifetime parole or whatever or probation because um, she never actually went to prison. But she violated her probation multiple times. Mm. Um, she ended up. I hope these notes are right. I don't know. I went back and looked on Wikipedia. She ended up going back to prison Mm. for some stuff. Well, and that's the part that's so hard, right? Is your Brittany, obviously she had a drug problem and she got clean, but you know, stress and well, now she's, her life is ruined. Yeah. And so all this, all the, she doesn't, she no longer has that motivation. She Mm -hmm. had the motivation to get clean and get her kids back and whatever. What motivation does she have now? Yeah. You know, yeah. they're going to take her kids forever. Well, I mean, she can see them when they're 18, I guess. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they've, they've ruined her life. And that's the thing. Once you get into the system. Yes. That's another thing. If you're on probation, you have like a four-way search clause. They can search your car, your house, your person, mm-hmm. um, your vehicle. Anytime without probable anytime cause. Anytime for no reason at all. And it's just a, it's, it's a guarantee you're going to end up going back for something. And then your record just keeps like piling up and piling up. Mm -hmm. And if you already have a prior for murder. Yeah. Like what, what chance do you have? Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. Well, they they did. There was this Chiron at the end 
or maybe the, they said studies show that the majority of women who kill their abusers end up taking plea deals. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end, I think it was the reporter that said this, that there is no justice in this story. There's no justice. Mm -hmm. Like nobody, it's just nothing. And the Stand Your Ground Law study found that women are two times as likely to be convicted as a man. Mm. Thousands of women are serving time for killing their rapists and abusers right now, sitting in prison. And this this story just made me livid. Well, <laughs> and so you know, pissed. this whole thing about women in the justice system, mm-hmm. you know, I sometimes when I'm scrolling the TikTok, mm-hmm. um, I'll get these... Um, I'll get these TikToks about, you know, clips from these shows about women in prison. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always shocked at how this, the sentences these women have. Like, yes. they go to these penitentiaries, these women's penitentiaries. And, of course, all none of these women are violent. Yes. Like, they're all just getting along, doing their thing. You know what I mean? They're just trying yeah, we, to do their time. We see Brittany with a phone call with her mom from prison and it's Halloween and they're all dressing up. They're having a grand old time, right? Well, I wouldn't put it that way. I wouldn't say it's grand old time, but (laughs) it's just more of like, you see that energy is very different. It's very different than amongst women. Obviously they, they, they this rough stuff there. They would rather not be there. And there is shitty stuff that happens there, but, um, but like they'll interview these women and you know, there's, Oh, how, how long are you serving? Oh, I'm serving, you know, 15 years or 20 years. Well, what did you do? Well, you know, I wrote some bad checks or, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I sold some drugs to somebody Mm -hmm. and it's like, why are these women getting these outrageous sentences for nothing? Yeah. These people are not in jail for violent crimes. They're stupid stupid shit well and the other thing too what well this is the other thing the whole white collar world right where like these guys steal money from you know we got tom Girardi stealing money from orphans and burn victims who will probably never see a day in prison for what he's done you know who get these really light sentences for stuff and what always hits me is every time I, i watch any kind of show about women in prison the common theme is there's some man right in their life who they either did something for they yeah. they either hid drugs for him or sold oh, yeah. drugs for him or or she was being abused on a daily basis and f- fear for her life and she finally kills him right or um you know he's hurting one of their children and so they 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 step in for the kids i mean every single issue pertains to some man Mm -hmm. that roped them into something and yeah they do have free will they could have said no but once you know an abuser doesn't walk up to you and say hi i'm an abuser you want to date it's like no they 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 wheedle they they weasel their their way in in. and then you have a child with them and you cannot get rid of them and And you're financially dependent on yes like especially like all those federal drug cases where it's mandatory minimums Mm -hmm. and yeah all these women who you know drove their car you know took some drugs in their car and delivered them to some place yeah. and they're doing 20 years yes you know Ridiculous. just for, for for that and yeah it's never their idea it's not, they're not the ones who are like uh, or maybe it's the abusers that they're so scared of and can't say no to yeah. and they can't tell them no i'm not going to drive your drugs from point a to point b yeah no there's something really and that's not wrong seen. with it it's just well it's just an extension of you know the sexism that 
Well, and the racism everywhere, sexism, racism. Because it's not like, because they didn't give us any stats on this, but I would be interested, like, how many black men, Hispanic men, have been able to use the stand your ground law. Mm-hmm. But you have it. You well, have a George, very famous yeah. case of an Hispanic um, man. But <laughs> George Zimmerman. Who George Zimmerman claimed did. to be Hispanic. But yeah, I mean, the most famous stand your ground case is the Trayvon Martin case that happened in uh, 2012 in Sanford, <sighs> Florida. So this guy, George Zimmerman, was crazy. He, he fancied himself some sort of like neighborhood watch vid- vigilante type you know these people who are always yeah. looking for suspic- nobody appo- nobody sus- appointed him <laughs> no no one asked him to do this he, he, he had no authority himself. to do anything um who who thinks that anyone who he sees that he doesn't know is suspicious looking mm-hmm. so trayvon martin he's a black teenager 17 years old he is staying he and his father are staying in this um I don't know if it was like a, a condo community or a, you know, some kind of, you know, private mm-hmm. community in Florida. They're staying at the home of his father's fiance. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, Trayvon Martin, famously was at the store buying some Skittles and, you know, a Coke or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's walking back to his dad's fiance's house and he's walking through this community He's got his hood on. He's got a hood on. (laughs) Oh, no. And he's black. And George Zimmerman spots him and um, decides he's suspicious. Mm -hmm. You know, even though he's doing nothing, just walking down the street, minding his own business. And um, he George Zimmerman calls 911 (laughs) on this teenager who's Mm -hmm. walking and uh, is saying, I don't know, this guy looks suspicious and he looks like he's casing and blah, blah, blah. And then George Zimmerman mm. says, well, I'm going to follow him. And he, the, the 911 dispatcher said, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. She told him not to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they dispatched the police. Anyway, Zimmerman decided he was going to go confront this kid. And, uh, you know, Trayvon was, pro- we don't really know what happened Mm -hmm. all we know is what happened what ended up happening was zimmerman is on top of trayvon who's on the ground and he's armed Mm -hmm. and he shoots him Mm. point blank and anyway so he he um invokes the stand your ground law defense you know self-defense and the the judge instructed the jury that zimmerman had no duty to retreat had a right to stand his ground and use deadly force if he reasonably believed it was necessary to defend himself. Now, who thinks that was reasonable? Mm. You shouldn't have even been jurors talking. In I guess so. He sh- shouldn't have even been talking to this kid. The pol- he called the police. The police told him, don't follow him. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll come. We'll handle it. And it, without the stand your ground law, the instruction would have been that Zimmerman had a duty to attempt to retreat using every reasonable means before using deadly force. Then Florida expanded their stand your ground laws to extend to um, not just your home, but your car and public places, which which is scary. It was very scary, which means that if you if you're in Florida and you feel threatened by anyone anywhere, you can defend yourself with deadly force. Well, 
yes, if you're a white man, you will probably get away with it. <laughs> I mean, so here, let's just to the to the listening public, please tell us George Zimmerman, Brittany Smith, two cases mm-hmm. of wanting to use stand your ground. Who do you think was in more danger? Right. And more and and had an imminent threat to their life. Right. George Zimmerman was never, ever at any point in time being threatened yeah. in any way by Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin was minding his own business. George Zimmerman confronted him mm-hmm. and escalated it. And and the boy's dead because of it. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. just really, this is, it's awful. It's not, this isn't, it's good. not fair and it's wrong. It's not fair. It's not right. Ugh. But I don't know. I was really hoping that there would be a good outcome for the Britney Smith. I started it thinking, okay, we're going to rise above right. and all of that. And it's just, and what's amazing about it is, is that if you, you know, see Britney and how she was when in prison, like trying to make the best of it, mm-hmm. Ramona trying to make the best of it, like, you know, digging deep to try to find some kind of, I don't know, hope somewhere along being just dealt the crappiest, crappiest hand. Mm -hmm. And this is the other thing I wanted to say about the whole, um, about Brittany is the other thing that, that is, is that this man now, if she did nothing, she did nothing. This man now knows where she lives. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, how could she move on from, do you know what I mean? Even if she let the to guy get go away from to him. get away from right. him, he knows where she, she lives. He knows she's vulnerable. because She lives alone. She's, her kids are going to come back. You know, how scary is that to think like, am I ever going to be safe in my own home ever again? And also what are the chances of, let's say Brittany was able to get away from him, go to the police department mm-hmm. and say, Hey, this crazy guy is in my house and he won't leave my house and he's raped me and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What do you think they would have done? Why did you let him in? They would have done jack shit. They probably would have kicked him out that night or mm-hmm. probably put him in a tank or something that night. And then they would have just let him out the next day. And now Todd's really pissed. He's got even, you know, he mm-hmm. goes get high again because this is the other part too, is, is that meth as a drug is a nasty, nasty drug. And it makes you like hyper, um, like you get crazy strength from it, you know? And so, and, and you don't, you're not a rational thinker. Mm-hmm. So now this person who you've taught, you know, you've gotten into trouble, who has a long history of domestic violence, mm-hmm. who knows where you live. Like, mm-hmm. really, really what other choice did this one? I mean, she truly had no other choice. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Even in the moment in time, it would be one thing if they were like, well, it's just you and your brother standing around talking to him. It was like he was choking out your brother. You could not physically get this guy off your brother. So it was like, now you're going to kill my brother. Well, and also he had demonstrated that he was capable and ready and willing to kill either one or both of them. Yes. So anyway, I mean, I'm glad that the story has been told. Yes. You know, so people know, know about it. And, you know, I... Well, the other thing is they did mention, the reporter did mention that people got wind of the story and women did start showing up and they, women did protest the courthouse and mm-hmm. there were, we saw some signs and we saw some stuff going on. I don't know if it was that big, but these kinds of cases 
I'm glad that Netflix did this documentary. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was only 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and it was a short one. And and it's not, you know, your typical sort of murder mystery kind of thing. But it's really important. I hope that filmmakers tell more of these cases Mm -hmm. because we have to we have to shine a light on this. If we don't shine a light on this, then it's just going to keep, you know, festering in the ground. Mm -hmm. And it's it's got to end. It's got to stop. All the stand your ground. I mean, really, do we, I don't know. Do we really need all these stand your ground laws all everywhere, like out in the middle of the public? Well, I I certainly, you know, the whole castle doctrine in Mm -hmm. your home, that's a very old, you know, oldest time concept. And I agree with that. You should be able to defend yourself in your own own home. Mm -hmm. But then people abuse that. Yes. Like there was recently a case where I can't remember if it was a, a young man or a young woman knocked on the wrong door yes to pick yes, up yes. i think it was a young man yes. who was going to pick up his younger siblings yes he knocked on the wrong door he was a black man in a white predominantly white neighborhood and the man living in the home literally opened the door and just shot him yes here it is Point i have blank. it right here ralph yarl am yeah. i saying his name right ralph Sorry, Ralph, I will find your Jarl, who was shot. He knocked on the wrong door and he he did make a full recovery, which is great. Oh, good. I thought he was dead. And, you know, he was doing really well for a 16-year-old. Like, he was, you know, he was doing well, picking up his his well, even if he was a dirtbag, he didn't yes. deserve to get <laughs> shot. So, and then, so basically, the guy who shot him was Andrew Lester, an 84-year-old white Kansas City homeowner accused of shooting the black teenager, pleaded not guilty to first degree. I wonder what happened with yeah. this case, but this was April 13th. And wasn't was this last ag- year? It was, wasn't that long ago. Oh, no, it was, was this, this year. year. It was this year. Yeah, it was so this year. it hasn't been resolved yet, the criminal part. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he ran the bell. So basically he just rang the bell. Lester shot him twice through a glass door with a 32 caliber revolver, striking him in the head and the forearm. Jesus Christ. Lester told police he lives alone and was scared to death. Well, then don't open the fucking door. When, hold on. Scared to death when he saw a black male on the porch and thought someone was trying to break in, according to the probable cause statement. So basically... If you or I rang that doorbell, do you think you would think that we were, you know what I mean? No, like, hello. We this were is... like Jehovah Witnesses or something just coming to the door. Yes. Yes. <sighs> all right. Oh, well, we got, God, I got, I just, enough, I'm all fired up. Enough. I know. It's depressing. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll end on that note. Yeah. Sorry. We'll end on a high. What can people do? What can people do? Uh, well, we need c- criminal justice reform, mm-hmm. yes. you know, uh, for many issues. For uh, women, for minorities. Um, yeah. And, and where a, does one start with that? You, I don't know. Google criminal justice reform. Get involved with an organization, yeah. a local organization in, in your area. I mean, there's a lot of people out there trying to change these mm-hmm. things and doing good work. Yes. So anyone can find one near them it, or you can donate money yeah. to these places. I think I'll find one and donate money. I It is... It just because this is I I have this with my clients all the time and there's a lot of stuff going on in our world politically and in the entire world. And it's what's so hard is, is when you feel so powerless, Mm -hmm. you know, you see injustice and you feel so powerless 
And what I always say is it's like, you got to focus on what's within your control. Mm -hmm. So what's in your control is volunteering, giving your time. Mm -hmm. If you can't give your time, giving your money or at least even shouting it out and putting it out there Mm -hmm. and saying that. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot you can do and it doesn't have to be something huge. A little, even little things help. If each of us did a little thing, it would, it would become big. It would add up. Yes. So So that's the hope. That's the hope. Okay. (laughs) We'll end on that. Yes. So thank you for tuning in. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. And also, if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would really help us out. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can also look us up on social media at Psych Legal Pop on Instagram and TikTok. We also do on uh, Tuesdays, we cover Sister Wives. Yes. The current season 18 of Sister Wives that comes out on Tuesday. And we are doing other documentaries. Mm-hmm. We'll um, get back to our rewind. Every Thursday. Um, but yeah, we're, there's a lot of good documentaries out there. Yes, there and, are. Um, and we've covered a lot, too. If you're new here, go back. Yeah. We have a long library catalog. Yes, we have over 100 episodes. Of and shows. If you go back, you, it's a little bit Sister Wives heavy, like in the recent past, because we've been covering that show. But if you go past that, go mm-hmm. a couple months back, and um, we have a lot more um, documentaries. So if you like documentaries, uh, we're going to start doing some more true crime type stuff as well. So thank you for joining us. Yes, we appreciate Hope you. To see you back soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>